one parent, two kids, 419 national park sites. This is Expedition National Parks. Dispatches and stories from one family's journey to discover the cultural, historical, and natural treasures of the United States. All tracks lead to Pullman, and it's a really fascinating story because there's so many intersections in the story. Um, labor and civil rights and... Um, if you're into pretty architecture, that's there too. And if you're here, here into art or if you're into um, kind of more the science side, like the, the building of the train cars, the what type of energy they use, how they made it. It's, I think there's a lot of, and there's a lot of different ways to get interested in the story, so. Pullman National Monument is one of the newest national park sites. Designated by President Obama as a national monument on February 19, 2015, it is the first NPS unit in Chicago. We visited this site just days after taking Amtrak's California Zephyr from San Francisco to Chicago. During our visit to the Bay Area, we went to the California Railroad Museum, got to walk through a Pullman sleeping car, and just a short time later, here we were at the site where railroad cars were manufactured for more than a century. The Pullman Company operated here from 1891 all the way through 1981. But the scope of the site goes so far beyond railroads. Thanks to Ranger V. Amber, we learned so much about the many reasons the site is important to American history. We had no idea until we visited this site that it gave birth to Labor Day. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversations with her as much as we enjoyed meeting and learning from her. A lot of people uh, see this place as like this like uncovered treasure uh, that they didn't know about. Um, and there are some major themes and events that the National Park Service focuses on uh, for the site. And one of them, uh, as you already learned about, was the architecture, right, and the historic preservation and the model town that was built here in the 1880s. But the reason why the model town was built here because of the train cars that were built and the Pullman factory um, that were uh, the Pullman factory was best known for their luxury train cars or their sleeper cars, um, but they made a variety of other different ones as well. And um, But Pullman is also kind of connected to a larger labor story. So the labor story is connected to the strike of 1894. Um, there were workers here in the neighborhood uh, during an economic recession that happened in 1893. Um, when the company, since the company owned all of the buildings here in the neighborhood, including the residences, the, uh, the church, the market hall, arcade, etc. Um, since they owned that, they also controlled the rent, and the rent did have to make a certain amount of profit as well. And so when the economic recession hit, um, in order to make uh, cost cuts and things like that, they first focused in on workers' wages. Um, and then... Uh, Throughout the economic recession, some workers' wages were even cut down to uh, half as much as they made, but their rent stayed the same. And so uh, one of the things is that the workers got a check for um, rent and they got a check for um, work. And even though they got both of them in hand, basically um, it was encouraged to give the rent check right back to the bank that the company owned. And so um, as the... Yeah, as the economic recession went on, the rent check got stayed the same, but the check you walked away with got smaller. Um, and so by May of 1894, they decided to strike, 
and it was a small local strike, and it started here in Pullman a little bit, um, and the workers basically wanted uh, reduced rent, but the company felt like their role as both a uh, manufacturer and as a landlord were separate. If you act your landlord, can you lower your rent? Um, the, their argument was that their, your landlord would say no because they're two separate things. So, um, but the small strike actually uh, expanded uh, when they were supported by the American Railway Union, uh, which was a union um, run by Eugene Debs. Have you heard of Eugene Debs I just before? know he's... Can you tell us more about him? I just know he's famous. Yeah, so Eugene Debs uh, was a huge labor union leader at that time, and so his um, kind of core role here in the strike is that um, is that he helped form the American Railway Union, was which was a kind of like experiment of combining all these different railway um, occupations. When before, usually they're kind of more guildy; they they only focused on one occupation at a time. This is a way to sort of be numbers. Numbers are strengths, right? Um, and so, when the strike uh, was supported by the union, it became a national strike and a national boycott. And so that basically shut down uh, any train cars that were that had a Pullman car attached, and so that was sort of like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, that was like grounding all of the airplanes today um, for half of the country, which would be really. Uh, crazy and actually might <laughs> might happen. Today um, is Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> Corona pandemic declared. Yes. Yeah, and um, or as I like to sometimes say to kids, it's like taking a big switch and shutting off the internet. Like no data either. No, just no internet. And um, basically, you you can't have uh, commerce. You can't order anything. Uh, businesses don't run. You can't communicate. So uh, when that happened. Um, a lot of uh, the strikers tried to avoid mail cars, stopping mail cars, but when the mail cars were affected, um, the government had to get involved, and so they sent in, um, well, President Grover Cleveland decided to do two, two actions, basically, in summary. Uh, one, to kind of appease more the corporate side of the deal, he decided to send the National Guard to Chicago. Um, and other parts of the country as well. So there wasn't a lot of violence associated with the strike up to that point. Um, but when the National Guard was sent in, um, depending on what source you look at, anywhere between 7 to 20-plus people died from incidents related to the strike. And then um, in order to more appease the workers and strikers, um, he also got a... Um, he also started to process and um, speed up getting a bill signed for a holiday we now celebrate in September, which is... Labor Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it, a, a lot of people say that it wasn't really a fair um, comparison sending the National Guard and doing Labor Day as sort of like uh, appeasement, but uh, that was the outcome. And so when the strike ended, it was kind of a loss for the workers. A lot of the Pullman workers went back to work, signing agreements they wouldn't join a union. Um, and Pullman, throughout its the rest of its history, um, is pretty starkly anti, anti-union. And so um, George Pullman 
passed away from a heart attack afterwards as well in 1897. And then right after that, the Illinois Supreme Court actually sued the company, said they had too much monopoly of owning both manufacturing and the homes. And so uh, they had to choose one, and obviously they chose manufacturing. And so a lot of this was all sold off to private hands. So all of the buildings you see today are all privately owned. So... Um, yeah. It remained in good condition throughout? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the most part, yeah. And um, on the map, any of the gray um, parts are all original homes. So I think it's, I don't have a solid number, but I think estimated between 80 to 90% of the original homes of the neighborhood are still here. So even the ones here north of the factory um, were part of the original neighborhood. Um, and then, but most of the factory buildings, only about 5% left of the factory buildings are still standing. And what is still, um, what is still, what is uh, available for visitation? I know maybe not today, but in general. Right, right. right. So, uh, we have the National A. Philip Randolph Bowen Porter Museum. Um, we have, um, can't really, you never really go inside of, uh, the fire station, but people usually go to see it. Um, Market Hall, by foot, people usually do. Greenstone Church, you can try the door. Um, it really depends on if the pastor's in there. And then um, Hotel Florence, you can go onto the porch, peek inside the window, see how the renovations are going. And then uh, this currently has a fence around it because they're doing construction there. And that's where the Future Visitor Center for the National Park Service is. So we will be moving in there hopefully early next year. Yeah, I think that's what we accidentally went to. Uh, there's like a, ch- a Baptist church here, and then we came back. Okay, and so you were, and there are more stories to be told, and like the Porter story is right. not as told. Can you tell us more about the Porter story? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, in terms of Porters, um, a lot of people ask if the Porters lived here in the neighborhood. They did not. So um, the Porters actually. One would have lived closer to where um, kind of the main central transportation is. So this was out um, 10 miles, 20 miles outside of Chicago. Oh, gosh, I can't think of the correct <laughs> mileage. Right. But um, it, was, it, it wasn't it was even part of Chicago originally. Right. And so the idea is that if you're a porter, you probably want to be where the central train hubs are. Um, and sorry. <laughs> and um, also... Two, uh, due to racial racism at that time, a lot of uh, African-American men or women wouldn't have been able to get jobs in the factories, um, because one, because they wouldn't be able to get the training, and two, uh, they probably wouldn't be hired. Um, but later on um, in the Pullman Company uh, line, like after um, the strike and everything else, I think kind of starting the early 1900s, they start hiring African-Americans um, in the factory when it starts becoming more... Um, less specialized work like on the wooden cars where you need to have, do hand carving and things like that and it's more kind of automated factory line sort of things but anyway the uh, pool and porters um, were hired from the company pretty much from the beginning of the company however so a lot of them were emancipated slaves um, so um, it was a pri- it was a job that was both a sense of pride because uh, you were paid more than a, a typical African American man, or um, you worked in better conditions than uh, a lot of other African Americans, where they might be doing sharecropping or working dangerous factory jobs, um, and you could also earn tips. So 
you can get a little bit more than the average uh, person. And so a lot of people also attribute the Pullman Porters to the building of the black middle class in the United States. So, um, but later on, kind of in the labor story, um, there's this guy called uh, A. Philip Randolph, Mm -hmm. and he decided to help form a union for the porters. Um, He was, I don't think he ever was a porter. Um, Don't, no, I don't know. Don't call me that. We can check, Um, I don't know why I don't remember that, but I'm pretty sure he was never a porter, but he wanted to be able to help them out with... um, unionizing and so basically their story kind of stretches a big portion of time from the 1920s to almost 1950s they didn't really win any um arbitration arbitration with the company until the 1950s um and uh a lot of that is tied into the fact that that kind of runs into the great depression and things like that and so it's harder to negotiate for better conditions and money when uh it's good enough that you have a job um, and so, uh, for the Pullman Porters, they were also a huge part of um, playing into the civil rights movement as well. So, April Randolph actually uh, was part of the team that helped um, organize the March on Washington. And he also, um, what else? Uh, Pullman Porters also were known for distributing the uh, Chicago Defender across the United States. Have you heard of the Chicago mm-hmm. Defender before? So it was an African-American newspaper um, that uh, had a huge part in kind of, it's, had a huge part in helping with the civil rights. So um, a lot of porters would throw, distribute the papers by throwing it off the trains. And in a lot of um, southern states, uh, that newspaper was like banned. So it, it was definitely something if they got caught for it they might get fired for it and things like that so um i think that's that's kind of my summary of the pullman porters if you have any specific questions about them well i read that did michelle obama have a personal connection yes i think her great great grand or maybe just great 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 grandfather was a porter so that that seems to happen a lot that a lot of people have um connections, familial connections to Pullman Porters. And surprisingly, a lot of people also have um, familial connections to the Pullman factory. Uh, I've heard a lot of um, immigrant, uh, European immigrant background um, people come in here. It's like, oh yeah, I had a I had a grandpa that worked in the Pullman shops and things like that. So uh, yeah, there's just a lot of connections here, I think. And the Obama, President Obama came to inaugurate it in 2004? He did. Uh, He actually did it. The building he did it in was the old Pullman Tech building, which is now a high school called Gwendolyn Brooks High School. It's like right on the other side of the railroad tracks and still has like part of the old school there. But yeah. Um, So two other things that struck me that one was um, President Lincoln's son Mm -hmm. ran the company for a while. Yeah. So right after George Pullman passed away, uh, Robert Todd Lincoln was the one that ended up running the company. And it sounds like there's a big tour every year. When's the yes. best time to come? Uh, so the Historic Women Foundation always runs a um, a house tour in the second weekend of October. It's like their big fundraiser, um, but also people open up their historic homes and let people come inside and see how those different insides have uh, shaped. Some are like completely modern, twenty they're twenty twenty homes, and then some are uh, eighteen. 80 homes on the inside so um 
it's really cool. That's a good time to come. And also Labor Day. We have the Labor Day celebration every year. It's a good day. Um, fall in general is just a really good day to come. Right. Uh, uh, a really good time to come. And the Porter Museum is open how often? Um, they're open April through November, um, Thursday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Okay. Um, with some variation. Right. Check the website. Yes. <laughs> So what will you tell people about why they should come here? Um, I always tell them uh, all roads lead, lead to Pullman, or all tracks, really. <laughs> um, all tracks lead to Pullman. And it's a really fascinating story because there's so many intersections in the story. Um, labor and civil rights and... Um, if you're into pretty architecture, that's there too. And if you're here, here into art or if you're into um, kind of more the science side, like the, the building of the train cars, the what type of energy they use, how they made it. It's, I think there's a lot of, and there's a lot of different ways to get interested in the story. So yeah, it's like the story of America, really. Yeah, yeah. We love our national parks for exactly that reason. They tell us the story of America, often the overlooked pieces of history. Thank you very much for listening. Please check out our show notes on our website, expeditionnationalparks.com, and we would love your feedback.